It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, my name, D. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Game Day T. My name is D Gill. You can follow me at all social media platforms, The Game Day T, all one word. I am so, so, so excited to have this guest on. I have been waiting for this episode for a very long time. I have Cindy Whitehead, LGBTQ ally, sports stylist. We're going to be talking about sports athletes, but I just want to let you all, you know, anytime somebody comes on my podcast. I got to let them know how good and special my guests are. 25 years in the game as a sports stylist, has styled for companies such as Nike, NBA Gated Parade, has styled athletes such as Tiger Woods, Maria Sharapova, Michelle Kwan, uh, former LGBT NBA player John Amici, and oh, by the way, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Welcome to the Game Day T, Cindy. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for spending your time with me. Now, for any of you all right now wondering, hey, why are we talking about you know, styling athletes and talking to a sports stylist? Well, if you all follow me on the Game Day T, I do a segment, Cindy, called the Cement Carpet, hashtag Cement Carpet. And what that means is athletes before games, they, they look really good in their suits and, you know, all this before, before they go to play the game. And it's on the cement. There's no red carpet. So I was like, oh, this is kind of catchy. I'm going to start doing hashtag cement carpets. But I'll say Deshaun Watson has on a nice maroon overcoat with a uh, khaki suit with a matching pocket square and and face max. So I just wanted to talk to somebody that can give me a little bit more insight what it takes to be in the sports styler. So if you could please just tell me, how did you even get into sports styling? Oh my gosh. I used to do styling for celebrities, young celebrities. I was younger then. So I was always paired with the young celebrities, you know, as they were coming up, like the girls on the original 90210, Lyle Lovett when he was quite a bit younger, um, people like that. And I loved what I did. I also worked for, you know, commercials, Bank of America, all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. advertising. But I really missed my sports world because I came from being a pro athlete as a skateboarder and I kind of missed that energy and while I loved my actresses actors musicians there was just something kind of missing for me especially when the women were involved as far as like everybody wore a size zero or two you just walk into a showroom and you just pull it off the rack and it it's great you're still styling but it wasn't challenging really for me it wasn't really thought provoking sometimes and I missed the energy of sports so um, I met a photographer who was doing only sports way back when it was not a popular thing to do Mm -hmm. and I um, got to work with him his name was John and I got to work with him and another photographer named Steve Bonini and it took off from there. I just created uh, this world for myself where I only worked with athletes and kind of just moved over and coined and trademarked the name sports stylist. And that's kind of how I got started. That's awesome. You know, uh, you you mentioned that you were a skateboarder. I do want to tell people if you, if I may, your background, because they need to hear this. All right. So (laughs) you're, (laughs) 
Top ranked female vert skateboarder in the US at one point with the pool riding and half pipe. You're the only female to be featured in the centerfold and two page placement in the skateboarding magazine. First female skateboarder to be sponsored by Puma, and I do like my Pumas. <laughs> and oh, wait, there's more. You're inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Over nine pieces signed by the Smithsonian Museum, uh, the sports collection. So you you know a little bit about some sports here. <laughs> I, I do. And you know what? I love my friends at the Smithsonian because when I have been there, I get to go on tours down in the area where things might not be on display yet. And I'm like, oh, I know that person. I work with that person. And they're just always looking at me like I'm crazy because, you know, like they have everything down there. Like, And, and then I also ask a lot of my athletes that they're in interested in like hey you know you have that game day uniform would you want to donate that to the smithsonian it lives on forever and so many people can learn from those pieces and and have like a history that's ongoing mm, wow can you talk about one of those pieces that you got at the smithsonian that like people can learn and probably wouldn't even know anything about yeah i would definitely say there is um Bahaman ali's robe is there I don't know which fight it's from. I should ask them that, but that's there. Uh, Tiger Woods has some pieces there. Uh, ice skaters. I mean, every realm of sports is there. I mean, right now, even with female skateboarders, there's a tour going on called Girlhood. And it's touring for uh, two years at the Smithsonian itself in the National Museum of American History. And then it goes on the road for three years. And uh, some of my clothing from the 70s is there. And it teaches girls about clothes wasn't made for girls back then for skateboarding. So I had to nip and tuck the waist in and there's things that I had to do. Girls today, you know, don't understand what we went through in the seventies, but can you imagine like even further back? So they have all those things there and they rotate and go on display and it's really educational. And I would suggest that every major athlete think about what they might want to approach the Smithsonian and be part of. It's very important. I got to ask, when styling an athlete, what is like one of the main differences between a non-athletic body or athlete compared to just a model walking down the runway? Like what are some of the challenges that you have to face day in, day out? The thing that's different with athletes is you have an athletic body, right? You're, you're not stick figure usually because you're an athlete. So like when I used to work with the U.S. women's soccer team years ago, the girls would jokingly say to me, now remember when you buy me jeans, I have soccer thighs. But they say <laughs> it proudly because you should be proud you have soccer thighs. Or, mm -hmm. you know, um, with Michelle Kwan, when she was ice skating and going to all those Olympics in a row that she did, I think it was three back back to back to back um she would always say oh ice skater butt and i'm like yeah you do and it's super cute and mm -hmm. but everything fits differently when you're an athlete and of course if you have a very tall guy who's a basketball player or even some of my baseball players length is a problem you know think where things hit on the hip or the length of the pants and the, with the women too um lisa leslie for example or any of the other women playing you know it's it's not just off the rack it's not walking into a showroom and i remember the first time I walked into a showroom and said, I'm dressing one of the U.S. women's soccer players who just won gold. I would like these jeans, this, this, and this, and I'm going to be altering them to fit her. Oh, no, you can't alter anything. And I'm like, do you, do you want your jeans on Jay Leno or do you not? But <laughs> it weren't attuned to athletes back then, and I had a really hard time getting showrooms to give me things for personal appearances it's changed now dramatically mm -hmm. we know that bodies come in all shapes and sizes and we celebrate that but years ago that was not the case right and then you probably had some pressure from the athlete saying i really want this type of designer this type of look 
can you please get that for me? And, but now you're getting pushed back from the designer saying, don't alter my clothes. I mean, I know that was probably tough. Yeah, and I would say in the beginning, there were major situations of walking the red carpet where we'd actually have to buy something at a discounted rate from a designer and have it altered because they weren't willing to loan a piece that was going to be altered when it's an expensive piece. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to Rodeo Drive with one of my female athletes and picking out something spectacular and explaining it to the people I always would work with, mm -hmm. but they don't want it altered it's it's a different situation nowadays but they're realizing the importance of athletes and the reach i think the problem was then if you were a top actress they would have let you alter it but they didn't understand the reach or the power of the sb awards or any of the other things like these athletes being on jay leno and winning gold medals that's a huge deal yes and nowadays you can post an athlete can post a picture on twitter or instagram and tag the designers themselves, and everybody gets directly to see that designer's page it's a win-win for you know them now so i'm glad that has changed in the industry me me too that's super helpful and you know what it it makes a difference too we obviously post on instagram and tag things but when the athlete does it as well that sends it even further obviously mm -hmm. and people want that people want what other people are wearing because it looks good exactly now you've been in the game like i said 25 years how do you keep up with all the newest fashion trends and still try to be innovative in a field like sport well it, it it's constant you know i read every magazine out there i'm so sad to see a lot of them disappearing these days i think magazines are a vital part of seeing what's new watching shows online obviously is another way when you're traveling especially you're not going to shows but you're watching um, fashion shows online to see what's coming up visiting stores for me was a really big thing because a lot of my stuff is of the moment and we don't want next season we want now and so not being able to go to stores for so long during this pandemic was really hard because my source of inspiration, mm -hmm. it, it just, even if I'm not looking for something that day, it's my source of inspiration. And Barney's clothing, don't even get me started on that one because <laughs> that is my main go-to for interesting pieces for athletes. Is it a lot of scrolling online, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling? And I bet it's nothing like seeing that piece in person to really connect with it. And it's one thing to, you know, see it online and say, oh, this will probably be a good fit. You have to send it to an athlete. What do you think about this? But to be able to see that in person, wow, I didn't even think about how the COVID impacts just everything we're doing now. It, it really does. But you know, I come from a little bit old school where we didn't have online. And so you would talk to a showroom or you would talk to a PR firm and they'd start telling you about something and send you a sketch. And me personally, cause I'm not a designer, I'm a stylist. Sketches don't really do it for me. Like mm -hmm. I get it, but I can't fully wrap my head around what it is I want to see in the fabric swatch and how the colors are gonna to go together and the fabrics and textures. I need to see it, I need to feel it, I need to hold it. And you would just get stuff sent to you blindly and you'd be like, oh no. And then <laughs> other times like, oh yes. But it was really, you were pulling a lot of things and using FedEx way more than you should to get <laughs> things in. <laughs> wow. This, this is pretty cool. I get to, I, I'm a big history person, so I love, 
hearing where you come from, what happened, you know, as this is awesome. Now I will say I did stalk your website, which is sportsstylist.com or cindywhitehead.com. And I saw some of your covers and I must say, I, I, I wrote down a couple of ones that I really liked probably for some obvious reasons. Um, Bryce Harper. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Clay Matthews, the cover of Muscle Fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Kemp, I am a huge, that man can do no wrong in my book. He mm-hmm. is so gorgeous. <laughs> and Matt Kemp. All uh, the good ones. <laughs> yes, Brian Wilson from the, um, and Colin Kaepernick and the Russell Wilson, that Sports Illustrated cover. I mean, you did an excellent job with that, the physique and everything. You just made it, their bodies just pop out. What, what was it like styling some of those athletes? I'm so curious to know. You know what? Nicest people, nicest, easiest to work with. Great days on set. Clay Matthews I've worked with many times mm-hmm. and just couldn't be nicer. He actually used to live right near me. Fittings were easy. I could just go right to him down the street. And he's such a like surfer dude living on the beach. It was great. He's moved on now. He's moved away from here. But it was really, really great um, to be able to work with all those athletes and have them be just super nice. That's awesome. I would say all the athletes are super nice. I have only had a few that I would consider, you know, being a little bit more problematic. And to me, that's nothing compared to the world I came from. Mm. athletes work really hard on what they do every day and they're very used to being disciplined and just focused so not a lot of problems there I I agree I agree with that sentiment I didn't play sports growing up I really liked sports but I was in the marching band and my band director was very very strict and he carried that on like he the things that he instilled in me he said he gave me a quote said to be early is to be on time to be on time is to be late to be to be late don't show up at all now, nowadays, you still want to show up and give them a call, but anything that I do, I agree with that athlete, athletic mindset, like you carry that over. And I'm so glad you had like wonderful experiences with athletes because like now everybody has that type of story. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they know that I'm there to make them look good and that we're working together as a team. So that is part of it as well. You know, we're, we're working together toward the common goal, right? We, we both want you to look great. You want to look great. Uh, whether it be on set or on red carpet or whatever it is. So I think there's there's that as well. Um, not here to hinder, I'm here to help. Exactly. Now you did work with Kobe Bryant. Can you tell me a little bit about that? When I saw that you worked with him, I, I, it made me sad, but I also wanted to talk to somebody that actually had some experience with him. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that is a very sad situation. And I, I was just blown away when I heard about it, just so upset. I started working with Kobe the day after he was signed with the Lakers. His very first photo shoot was shot by photographer Steve Bonini that I worked with on the beach in, um, just in Manhattan Beach here, actually. And I still have that picture. It ran in the LA Times, the behind the scenes, because it was such a huge deal. And he was all please and thank yous. And his mama was there and and his family came and just the nicest boy. And he was a boy. And then over the years um, with Adidas, I was placed with him many, many times working with him and got to know his family. And I remember one time in between shots, you know, 
he was young and I was trying to amuse him. I was like, oh, let's play basketball on the court here. And we were on, um, you know, the Lakers court mm -hmm. and started running back and forth. And of course, like he could totally outrun me. <laughs> and then he started playing keep away with the ball with me. And of course he's tall, I'm five foot. And I couldn't get the ball. And I remember his mom saying, or no, it was his sister. His sister said, you stop that, Kobe. Don't be doing that to her. And I was like, no, it's okay. And he's like, she's like, no, that's not nice. And I was like, oh, you're so raised so well and such a nice guy. And, you know, and that's all anybody ever has to say about him. It's just a, a very determined, nice person and very good at what he does. There was a commercial we did for Adidas where he had to shoot into the hoop. I forget how many times in a row and it showed him practicing doing this. He made it every single time this went on for hours and hours wow. and, and that video is that commercial is one of my favorite because it's not cut and sliced that's him doing it from every point on the court and making it every single time wow that is so amazing that is and, yeah. and, and any of the kobe fans out there listening right now i really hope you enjoyed this insight how many lies and like he impacted in all different facets of his game and his life he was so nice to everybody that's all nobody has anything bad to say about him and and that's how it should be in in our everyday lives continue to treat people well and people will treat us well and when they don't you know carry yourself in the way that you make them treat you well. And so I, I really appreciate that story. Now, I do want to ask you, Cindy, is there anybody, any athlete in particular that you have not yet got to style, but you are just chomping at the bits to style? Oh, you know, I would probably have to pick a female athlete um, because our, our girls need some more love out there. I, agree. And, um, I would say probably in surfing, there's a few female athletes in surfing that I really would like to work with more like Carissa Moore, um, Stephanie Gilmore, mm -hmm. people like that. Um, yeah, you're probably surprised that I picked surfing or something, but well, I, just, interesting. I just feel like they need some love. And also, you know, Leo Baker, um, AKA Lacey Baker in skateboarding. She's doing a lot more things now. Um, would love to be styling Leo. Yeah, there's just so, there's so many athletes that are so awesome that I, I can just picture like certain things. Sometimes I'm flipping through and looking at shows or whatever and go, oh my gosh. In fact, Minna Stest, who is on the U.S. national team for the Olympics, she's 14 years old and she's just getting into her own style. And we've been talking a little bit about what that style is. And her mom's like, I didn't really understand how in depth you go and what you do. And I'm like, I would put together a whole lookbook for her. We'd talk about it and then I'd pull the pieces, we'd try them on and I'd return what we don't use. And, you know, it's fun to see people develop their style. And some people don't get a chance to do that till they're in their 20s and 30s. Some people get to do it at 14. And I think that's great. That's, that's awesome. So like you mentioned surfboarding, would you even pick out the different type of surfboard looks that you want, colors and all? Does the styling even go down to the, nitty-gritty of like props and everything else well it, it does if we're doing advertising if we're doing an advertising shoot like i work with bethany hamilton she had her arm taken off by a shark when she was much younger mm -hmm. well-known surfer and when i work with bethany you know the client will say to me does she have a surfboard that has this 
color arrangement in it. And she probably does. And, or they just want what she normally uses because they want it to be very current and authentic. Mm -hmm. But as far as clothing, you know, they'll have clothing sponsors that I need to work with. So within those clothing sponsors, I'll say they really want red looks for this. They want her to pop and the surfboard is white and blue and they want her in red. What do you have coming up or in this season? Can we even pull from last season? It doesn't have to be current. Mm -hmm. Can you make something? Um, we do all kinds of things like that. So advertising actually is a little bit harder, I think, than pulling for red carpet or appearances. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick little break right here. Don't you go anywhere, though. Don't you press that stop button because <laughs> we'll be right back with the Game Day Tea. Okay, y'all, I'm back with the Game Day Tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and I'm talking to sports stylist Cindy Whitehead. Now, being that this is an LGBTQ-inspired sports podcast, I wanted to talk about some of your styling moments where you did have to work with uh, members of the LGBTQ community. And one of those things I want to first talk about is the Advocate cover that you shot with John Amici, former NBA player. And it, the title of the article was Gay in the NBA, Why It's Not Safe to Be Gay in the NBA. And I was reading a little bit about the story and how he came out to his teammates way before publicly coming out and they were accepting of it. But the moment he came out, he had some of his own teammates, Tim Hardaway back in the day that said, I don't want him to be on my team. I can't focus with him being on my team. I don't think it's right. Tell me about what you all did to kind of capture that moment in time and to display what you all needed to, to come across about that article. When he got that cover and they called me and asked me if I wanted to be the stylist on that, I was honored. That was a huge thing for him to publicly come out and write that book. And I think he came out in February and we shot it in February and the cover came out March 1st. So it was very, very fast. And I just thought, you know, this was what, uh, 2007. So we're talking quite a while back. I don't want people to think this is current. And it was like, oh, well, a lot of people have done that. This is 2007. And this is the NBA. And um, we, you know, I do hear other stories like that. Like, well, I came out to my teammates and then I came out publicly and it was a different story. And I don't, I don't like hearing that. Um, the thing that was so great about that cover is we were all so excited for him. Everybody on that team that day was just thrilled that he was happy. He felt free. He had this book coming out. He told his story. He just, it just seemed like maybe a weight was lifted off him. And what a great feeling that is to watch somebody go through that and feel that way. He was just happy all day. It was great. That's amazing because when I came out, I felt that like so many other people that come out, we feel that just the weight is just lifted off of our shoulders. And that at that time in 2007, that needed to be said. And the comments about Tim Hardaway came out were demeaning, right? But he later on apologized because somebody got in his ear and said, hey, this is important to a lot of people. We, they need to see this story, hear this story, and it needs to be celebrated. So uh, kudos to you and the whole team for capturing that moment in history right there. I wanted to talk about any other type of instances where you have shot LGBT athletes, or maybe, you know, they aren't coming out, but you may have known that they were, you know, part of the community and what it was like trying to style them and you see where they unhappy or how did it affect them? Yeah, I mean, I do have athletes even now that I work with um, that have not come out and some of them 
you know, we've spoken about it and, and I know personally, some others have not been as vocal, uh, even in their inner circle. And so it, everything from, I, I keep relating to women more here, but the men too, don't want to be pigeonholed into this look or that look. And, you know, if it's not authentically them, that's where I see them kind of verbalizing who they are and what they are. And I think that's the first step a lot of times for some people. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of courage even now, I think, to come out and be your authentic self. But as you said, once you are, it's so freeing, I think. And it makes me so happy for people when I see that. And I see the change. I, I see the lightness lifted off their, you know, just the heaviness off their shoulders lifted, becoming lighter. But I would say on set, there's really not a lot of difference because I listen to what people want to be wearing or I make suggestions. And if they actually say, absolutely not, sometimes I'll say, let's try it. And they, and they love it. Or if they don't, we work a different direction because ultimately at the end of the day, it's about them being happy or them and the client being happy. It's not about me being hundred percent happy. It's about them. Exactly. Now you did some work, we were talking earlier about, and it was an app of HIV inspired shoot. And some of those members of that photo shoot were part of the uh, LGBTQ community. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, that was even before the John Amici shoot. My agent in New York came to me and said, uh, asked me if I wanted to go to Santa Barbara and work with uh, people who were taking a new HIV drug. And this was very, you know, early on in the HIV world of knowledge and drugs and things. And I believe that I was told that there were some people who were turning down this work, you know, not as a stylist. I was the first one that was asked and I jumped on it. I was like, absolutely. I want to learn more about this. I want to be around an inspiring shoot, some, a company that's doing something super positive. Mm-hmm. And I just remember there was, I think five to seven people each day that I dressed and they were stoked to be there, but there were alarm clocks that would go off two times a day. And at that point in time, no matter if the sun was setting, the light was great, you were getting a good shot, you had to stop so they could take their HIV medication. It was very important. Mm-hmm. And we had somebody there doing just exactly that. And, and I, I, it, was, it was a very, it was a really good learning experience. It was really interesting. The people were great. I was so happy to be there. And for me personally, I just can't imagine why anybody would be not wanting to be part of that. But I, I do know that there are people who are afraid of what they don't know and they don't spend the time getting to know it. So they become unafraid, I guess. That's that's pretty awesome. You, you being an ally and seeing, you know, some of firsthand, some of things that people have to go through when they have HIV and the, the stigmatism that, oh, I don't like gay people because they're going to give me HIV and all that. As you, as you saw they are just like everybody else. Human beings, no matter what they have, brown, black, gay, straight, trans, whatever, you know, we're human beings. And so I'm pretty sure that was eye-opening for you. And that's the key, what you just said. We're all human beings, right? And Mm -hmm. we should all treat each other with respect and everyone should be equal. And um, I thought that to really exemplified that and I was super proud to be involved in it and I was happy to be there and I I do know that at the time we didn't know you know a lot about blood transferring and things like that and there was a medic on set and he said we were climbing on rocks we're doing rock climbing shoot Mm -hmm. and they say if anybody gets cut or scraped nobody goes into help except me I deal with that it's not a big deal I got it and I was like 
that's interesting too, but it was never, it never crossed my mind to be worried or afraid or anything like that. You know, you'd help anybody, right? You're exactly. just people. Mm-hmm. We're people. To transition off of that, as a stylist, what do you say to some of these people out here that say, oh, I don't want to wear that type of pants or that shirt because it made, made me look gay. Uh, and that looks feminine. I, I, I see your eyes rolling. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it really bothers me growing up. I, I, I dealt with that. You know, my fashion, oh, don't wear that because as gay, I was gay, but I thought, does it matter? And then you hear, you see other people, uh, athletes and uh, rap stars wearing the tighter clothing and everything like that. And nobody bats an eye right. and it becomes acceptable. What do you have to say about that? I, I think first of all, it's 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 like using the word word girl as a slur. To use the word gay as a slur is completely wrong. And when somebody says, "Oh, that looks so gay," I mean, personally, if I was gay, I think I'd probably go, "Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm proud to be gay." But that's me. And since I'm an ally and I'm not a gay person, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's wrong for people to say that. You should look however you want to look and dress however you want to dress. And that is called style. That's mm-hmm. not called, that's so gay. That's called style. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there, yeah, exactly. Anybody out there listening right now, if you experienced any of that, I, I follow this guy on Instagram. Uh, I, I got to look up his name, but he he's a tall athlete. He wears pink a lot. And he... he oh. um, he talks about it all the time on Twitter. It's just like so many people come up to him. They look at his stature. They see how masculine his body looks. And they're saying, why are you wearing pink? You know, he he, like, he, he wears pink face masks. He has pink shoes, pink shirts. And it's like some people just cannot get those gender roles that they think are just supposed to be normalized. And it's like, no, anybody can wear pink. Why does it, why does it make him look feminine? I just don't get it. I didn't understand that either. I had a young snowboarder early on, and I'm not going to name the client that we were shooting for, but this young this young boy wanted to wear pink all the time. It was his fashion statement. I don't, you know, he was probably 14, so I don't know what his gender orientation was or is at this point in time. It didn't matter. He liked pink, and he was like, can you just like dye that white shirt pink for me tonight, maybe? And I want to wear this. And the client came to me and goes, we can't wear pink in every shot. I'm like, why not? Why can't he? And they're like, well, it's very feminine. And I'm like, but who designated pink to be feminine? Mm -hmm. And, and that's like saying, I can't wear black because it's too masculine. It's too strong of a color or, you know, I don't, I don't understand, but I was, I was brought up very much like where would I want I wore you know black high top converse sneakers and mm-hmm. back then people called me a tomboy and I was allowed to wear whatever I wanted however I wanted so I, I like that you are an activist in as far as women's rights and especially in sports and for the LGBT community for women I, you know I always say it's hard being a woman and it's hard being a member of the LGBT community and identifying as a woman, you know, because they just, they just, I don't know how to explain it without hurting some feelings, but they go through so much. And I find the stereotype that, oh, skateboarders, women skateboarders are masculine, they may be gay, and why do they need to play skateboard? I don't get it. Why is it so important for people to know that women in skateboarding is something that should not be looked down upon? They shouldn't be looked at as just overly masculine, like they don't belong. Tell, I know that's very near and dear to your heart. Tell me about that. I, 
I just think skateboarding, I mean, I've been skateboarding since the 70s. I think skateboarding is for anyone and everyone who would like to do it because it's so fun and it's so individual. You just go out there and do it and you learn at your own pace and you have a great time. It doesn't matter what you wear, what you look like, how you do a trick it it's so individual that i think it's a great place i think personally for me it should be a great place for everyone mm -hmm. but in the past it really hasn't it's been a male dominated sport and it's you know cis males usually mm -hmm. um there is um i will say his name because he has come out and he's very outspoken brian anderson who i absolutely love i did a panel on fashion and skateboarding at the smithsonian with him mm -hmm. and i remember like he leaned over and he goes I love your socks. And I was like, okay, I like you already. <laughs> so it's like people like him coming out and saying, um, you know, I am gay and I'm a badass skateboarder. So what, what does it matter? But a lot of people in his inner circle knew that he was gay before he actually came out to the public. Um, other people like in the broader scope did not. And I was really glad he did that because it was like, he's one of the most hardcore guys out there. And it was good for people to see that like, it doesn't matter what gender you relate to, or if you're, you know, LGBTQ girls who are trans and we helped one girl skate across the US help finance her trip. Oh, and goodness. yeah, and it's like, she wrote a really cool book too called, I think it's called Carry On, Carry Me On, but it's sold out right now. And it was just about all the things that happened on this solo skate across the United States as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And there were situations where I was like, there were sheriffs picking her up and moving her from county to county. And she's like, no, I have to skate. Like this is a skate from Washington on the West coast to Washington on the East coast. I'm skating. No, ma'am, you need to get in the car. We're going to move you to the next County. She'd like text me and tell me these things. And I'm like, are you safe out there? She did great. She's fine and wrote a great book about it. But today it even shocks me that it shouldn't, it should not shock me. And that's why we're fighting for rights for everybody. And that's why we're going to vote, right? And we're getting out there and going to change this world we live in to be better. Lots on the line, a lot's on the line. Yes, a lot is on the line. And mm -hmm. I was I was looking at, oh, is it Ad Ashlyn Alley? The two female soccer players mm -hmm. that are married posted something the other day about their attorney talking to them and the things they need to get their ducks in a row about before this election in case things go south. Mm -hmm. These are the things they need to worry about because they are married and what could happen. And I was like, gosh, like how horrible that we even have to think this way. Yeah, I don't even understand why. I guess I do understand it. I don't want to understand it. You know, it's passed down from generation to generation the hate, you know, some of the uh, movies and everything, TV shows that we watch. But it's why do people even care? Yeah. Like I do behind closed doors. You know, it's like, oh, we don't want to see it. And then they talk about, oh, we don't want to see the representation. Well, newsflash, everybody doesn't have that mom and dad type of figure in the household. You know, we've been growing up seeing 
the typical cis male, cis, you know, female on TV, on the shows and ads and all that. And this time we want more representation of what we look like. And so in the skateboarding world, seeing more people come out like Brian Anderson and other people, it's, it's, I think that's going to really help a lot of skateboarders be who they are and comfortable with themselves and attract more allies as well. It, it is. And also when big companies stand up behind them, like with Leo Baker, mm-hmm. and I love that Nike has been behind this since day one and just like this is this is what we do like Nike always takes a good stand um on things and mm-hmm. and doesn't like Patagonia same thing like mm-hmm. their position is straightforward on what they're going to do and they're not going to be swayed they're going to do what they feel is right and they're not going to be swayed like Colin Kaepernick and mm-hmm. um they just stick to their guns and I like that and I like that they have Leo's shoe and they have um promoted him and stuck with him mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's great the be true campaign by Nike I mean I don't know I'm not well versed in this but I for me personally that was one of the major clothing brands that I saw represent the LGBT community and that I resonated with I don't yeah. know if anybody was else first or not in the other company, but for me, that was like a huge wow moment. I tried to look for a Be True shirt, the one that's in rainbow letters with the Nike swoosh. I cannot find it anywhere. And so that's, you know, like how many people out there really, you know, wanted that and was really very happy that Nike did that. Yeah, that they sold out quickly. I, I know, I, I remember that sold out very, very fast. But I think, I don't know if they were the first company, but I think they are the biggest of the first companies, if, mm-hmm. if that, but probably the first to very take a very public stand mm-hmm. um, on a lot of issues. Yeah. And like I said, Patagonia does the same with certain issues that they believe in. And, and I like companies that do that. I know that they're going to alienate some people, but those really aren't my people. So <laughs> that's, you know, and, and what you were saying about behind closed doors, this is my philosophy. Everybody if they come to me and they say they have a problem with people being married who are the same sex or whatever their problem is, I, I always just say what my mom used to say about anything. How is it affecting you? Mm-hmm. What is it doing to affect you personally that you need to feel so involved in this and be in such an uproar about this? It's not affecting you. Yep. You know, it's not it's not your choice to do that, but it's their choice to do that. You should be supportive. Yeah. Really. We have too much. We just had Spirit Day for uh, anti-bullying against LGBT youth, and we had Coming Out Day. And, and you know, I'm glad that we had those days because it, it specifically addresses eyeballs to say, "Hey, there are people out here that, because of this rhetoric out there, whether it be religion-based or uh, big company-based, whatever, that these people are suffering, and we need your attention." So I was very happy to see my favorite uh, baseball team, Atlanta Braves, really change their profile picture to a purple sign and have people coming out and saying, hey, we support the LGBT youth. And you do something similar uh, for you, for what you have started. It was girl is not a four-letter word and wanting equality for women in sports and uh, Im- images and representation of sports as their equal male uh, counterparts. Can you please tell me about your awesome cause that you're doing right now yeah i mean we're out there just to support anyone who's basically not a cis male (laughs) because they you know no offense there are brothers and we love them but they they get a lot of help already Mm -hmm. um but everybody else in the skateboarding community is still kind of rising up 
and doing their thing. And when you go to a skate park and you don't see a lot of people who look like you, um, it's nice to have other people with you to back you up and feel like, hey, I belong here and I'm not the only one. I'm not the only girl. I'm not the only black person. I'm not the only Asian person. There's, it's a lot of white cis males in skateboarding and has for been for many years. Um, but there's always been girls in skateboarding and there's always been gay women in skateboarding too. And I'm sure there's always been gay men in skateboarding too. And maybe we just, you know, never had the pleasure of them being comfortable to be out with us. Um, I know some of my skate sisters from the seventies, mm -hmm. they are gay and they are just now um, coming out to us. And I feel so badly that they couldn't be their true authentic self in our world back then in the day, but I know in the 70s that was hard in any world, let alone skateboarding. But I see the younger um, women being very proud of who they are, no matter who that is and what that is and how they identify, non-binary, gay, lesbian, you know, whatever they choose to be, even if it's this, that they're a woman or identifying as a female and going out there and skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, that's important, and it's important for us to support them um, through the, through our Instagram, showing them every day, constantly, and having a place at the skate parks, at events, just everything. Everything we do is built around that premise of shining a light on people who are marginalized. That's awesome. Cindy, how, how can people learn a little bit more information and participate and just get more involved with Girls Not a Four-Letter Word? Uh, they can go to our Instagram at girl is not a number four letter word, or they can go to our website, which we update every day. Girl is not a four letter word.com. Those are the best places to reach us. We have a Facebook as well. And um, yeah, I answer every DM myself. So if you see something you like, or you want to talk, just shoot me a DM. Awesome. Well, Cindy, I thank you so, so much. I learned a lot from you, which is why I wanted you to come on this, this uh, podcast. And I hope everybody listening out there is a little bit informed about what goes on in the styling world. So the next time you see that you're one of your favorite athletes and they have on just nice looking outfit just know that hey somebody like cindy is probably behind it or you see your favorite athlete in the magazine you say hey somebody like cindy is probably behind it. and now you know what goes on behind the scenes so thank you thank you so much cindy for your time today on the game day tea i appreciate it thank you so much for having me it was a great conversation and you are awesome oh thank you <laughs> well I, I like to end all of my podcasts with saying i want people to be true be you and be fierce. Okay. So everybody out there have a great day wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. And you can listen to all other, uh, the game day T podcasts on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can do that via out sports as well. Okay. Have a good day.